Mm. Let's say you have like a headache related to stress. When you take rosemary, which happens to have an affinity for the, the head area, it, it works for brain and memory function. As if you've ever heard rosemary, it's good for memory. Um, but so it, it, the, the aromatic dispersing moving quality. So the flavor and taste of plants usually give you an indication of how they'll work. And so in this case, you, you can, you can, if you have like a little headache related to stress, rosemary can set the aromatic quality just moves it out. And it's, it's super cool that it can work like that. And I like it in the morning, even uh, instead of coffee, sometimes there's, there's really elevating herbs like rosemary, sage in the morning can be really nice. Hi, welcome to the Melrose Show. Melrose here. If you've listened to this intro before, you can click the forward button now eight times to get to the start of this episode. So, before this version of myself, I was Anne artist, fashion designer, professional model, TV personality, small business owner, real estate agent, placement agent, and an institutional financial advisor, all before stepping into my current role, which I love in investor relations and podcasting professional. Woo! It was a wild ride to get here. And after all those jobs, living in six countries, 16 different cities, and trying on many versions of myself, I have found that the best place to live is comfortably in my purpose and in a space and a community that allows me and wants to see me grow. And I want the same for you through my highly versatile career path and working with others on their dreams along the way. I decided to start this podcast to try to help people understand that life is not a race. It's a marathon. Career is not a ladder. It's a jungle gym. And that I really believe truly the best way in life is following curiosity. My curiosity has me focused on career, plants, shadow light and integration work, art, permaculture, and community building. These are my purposes in life. And for me, they all go together. They're topics that we will explore together throughout time on this podcast. And I come here to connect you to unique ideas from incredible people. The aim is to help us all grow more into our purpose-driven lives. This podcast supports a community of amazing humans that meet on full moons to howl and heal. We are a global community. Many are interviewed on this podcast. And I invite you to join us offline after the show. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this exploration journey with people from around the world who have self-actualized in their lives in some way. Hopefully, they will inspire you in your own authentic journey. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Today, we are joined by Ariel Hyatt. She is a clinical herbalist who weaves the various traditions systems of herbal medicine, such as Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, Native American herbal traditions, European herbalism, and the wise woman tradition to support and nourish the mind, body, and soul of her clientele. She is based in New York City. Thank you for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Really We're excited so to be excited. here. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you. I've been harassing you for months to come on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> because I think what you do is so cool. And I know if I had, um, you know, 
life back to, I would want to study herbs and um, botany and plants and, and healing and, and I, um, nourishing of the, the soul. And I, I love what you're doing. And I'd love for you to just give us a little insight on your background and how you came to be an herbalist. Yeah. So I actually was raised in, uh, you know, Western medical system. You know, when I had a stomach ache, uh, my mom's like, let's go to the doctor, you know, or if I had a pain, I would take Tylenol. I had no idea of all the ways that there are complementary and even sometimes alternative remedies uh, that are sometimes in our kitchen cabinet and available to us to before jumping to always the strongest uh, medicine. And growing up, I had a lot of digestive issues. I had a lot of certain complaints, but overall I looked healthy and I, people would never know that I was experiencing some of the concerns and discomfort that I had. And so it was a very disempowering process to go to the doctor and not be acknowledged for the discomfort that you had. Oh, just drink more water, you know, that sort of thing. So as I got older, um, my, I guess the, the really the icing on the cake for me was when I was bit by a tick. Um, it was on a birthday. So that was kind of like a mm-hmm. birthday kiss. And uh, after being diagnosed with Lyme disease, I, I walked into an herb shop and then that moment changed my life. I enrolled in a three-year herbal college. And in that program, I, it's a clinical program. So we take a technical and scientific approach to understanding the chemistry of herbs, how they impact the body and what the body really needs to be healthy and whole. Uh, we, we take a really strong approach on anatomy and physiology and a lot of you know, scientific literature on these topics. So while we study the traditional systems from Native American traditional practices to European and, and, and African and Afro-Caribbean, really all over the world, we also look at studies, you know, kind of validating a lot of these, these traditional systems. And from there, we also work one year in a clinic where we are un, under observation in our practice. And then we, uh, we observe other clinicians and we do roundtable discussions and case studies and things like that. So to become a clinical herbalist, it's different than, you know, another kind of herbalist because we actually have a certain amount of hours working in a clinic and, and under observation. Wow. That is so cool. I love that. <laughs> and Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about herbology as a practice? Um, you know, how does it work and, and, and what are the strongest herbs or I don't know, just some things about herbology that maybe people yeah. don't know. Yeah. So what's interesting for the first and foremost thing that, that I'm attracted to herbalism is that it brings um, the power back into our own hands. So like rather than seeing like a white pill, what given we just have to pick it up the pharmacy. We don't know what's in it. We don't know where it's made. And it's just got these unknown contents in it. And we just have to take it because the doctor said, we actually can be super intimate with our remedies. We can look at the plant. We can see what it grows. We know what it tastes like. We know where to find it. We know what its leaf shapes are. And we know what kind of actions it has in the body. And this gives us uh, more power for our health. And that's number one. But herbal herbology or herbalism, I say herbalism, but both are correct. 
Um, it really is the use of plant remedies to um, really to like the wise woman tradition teaches to repossess the power of our wholeness or our health. Health is another word for wholeness and some say holiness. Um, and so it's this idea that we are all coming into this world whole and we're seeking more wholeness. We don't mm. see ourselves as, as broken or um, we see dis-ease, disease. Um, and so we, we strive for uh, more wholeness. And, and instead of, you know, the Western kind of perspective of like fighting cancer, we, we look at it like dancing with cancer. And we look at all dis-ease in, in the tradition that I'm from, like mainly about the wise woman tradition, but dis-ease we really see as a doorway to transformation. And mm. that is, and the plants, they help us find our innate healing power to, to kind of walk through that door. So repossessing the, the power of our health, but also herbal, herbalism is really, um, you know, a, a, a scientific approach to understanding the chemistry of herbs as I said before, and how they impact the body. Mm, wow. So, so many, I have so many things to, to say, but um, I guess, can you just tell us a little bit more about the wise woman tradition? Because I know that that's one of your, pretty much your focus, right? Is this it is, it is. It's a big focus of mine because I think it's a very empowering process and it teaches us several things. One of the things that the wise woman tradition teaches us is that the plants are not healing us, that they're actually our allies that we co-create healing with. Um, we look at the plants, our allies, and we look at our dis-ease or our troubles, our ailments, our complaints, our physical pain. We look at all of those things as our allies. And with our allies, we co-create um, a new perspective. Mm. And we find... Um, wisdom and we see life with more um experience and it, it and in you know in yin and yang theory which is in traditional chinese medicine there is no good or evil there's no um negative or positive there may be dark and light but both of us both of them together create wisdom so we we don't see these experiences necessarily as even if they're challenging and we don't enjoy them as much but they all are allies in, in co-creating a new perspective and a doorway to transformation. Right. And they're teaching us, I mean, pain, any, any kind of pain, physical, emotional, let's say a lot of physical pain is actually emotional pain expressing itself. Um, mm -hmm. Let's just say all of that pain, when you get through to the other side of it, however you manage to do that, you are a different person in a lot of ways. Your perspectives change. You appreciate things a lot more. I mean, everyone on earth has been in pain, right? So how we choose to treat it and how quickly we can get through it is I think like, so it's just so important. And I also think, I think a lot of people don't get through it. They just stay in chronic pain. Um, exactly. I'm somebody, I grew up a very sick little kid. I was born with like a heart murmur and like I had all these skin issues. It took about 
five years for them to diagnose me as lactose intolerant. So every time I would eat pizza at night, I would have night terrors. And, um, mm-hmm. and they're like, she's allergic to milk. And it was like, wow. Okay. So then, you know, I got a lot better once they removed, um, lactose from my diet, but I found myself in college. Um, I lived in San Francisco and I lived right near Chinatown. And somehow I stumbled upon this really cool, like very thick, very thin, long green, like Chinese herbal medicine book. And I had that book for probably 20 years. I I was looking for it recently when I was talking to you, because I was like, I want to get this out to talk to her about this because, you know, every time I would have a pain, I would just look up in this really cool book, like some things I could do before I ran off to the doctor or just started taking medicine or something I could do alongside it for my mind to make me feel like, okay, the doctors are doing their thing, but I want to do this kind of more natural thing alongside it. And it really like, actually, whether it was working or not, it had a huge placebo effect because I felt like I was taking control, um, in, in my own way, because I'm very, you know, I really believe in plants. I really believe in them versus pharmaceuticals on a lot of things, but I think together they can do wonders. Um, And I have a cousin who's, um, who's into this, um, like, like a family friend, you know, you have old friends and they're like, they're kind of like cousins, but her husband, he, he's been making tinctures and he was walking me through the process. And I was fascinated that the herbs that are in my closet or my, you know, my cabinet are actually, when you look on the bottle, they say fingerprints, right? And they're not actually the, the, the like pure herb. Is that right? I, I actually don't know the term fingerprint, but it's a really interesting and cool one. Maybe it's a culinary term for an extract. Yes. I'm not really sure. Right. So it's like an extract of the, of the tincture but he gave me an, uh, one, he had a bunch of tinctures and he gave me one drop of rosemary on my tongue, which, you know, I take a bunch of herbs now, thanks to you. And, um, Mm -hmm. I was like blown away. This one drop for like three days affected me very strongly. Um, I couldn't believe it. I was actually shocked. Um, I would have to learn the fingerprint It might be like an oleation method, Mm, um, okay. but sometimes, and it's, so it's a very concentrated version, but mm-hmm. I, I think never underestimate the power of rosemary. It is one of the most beneficial herbs in my materia medica, like that I love to use. Yeah. It's great for, um, you know, for, for especially this fall transition. I mean, I'm here in New York, so it's starting to have like a, a light fall breeze and, a lot of us are feeling a little chilly, you know, it's, the air is a little bit dry and while rosemary isn't moistening, but it is warming and it does really help with, um, immune system function. It, it really helps fight any kind of, uh, infections that, that could be in the system. And, and it's really great for memory and focus and even mood mm. it can be really powerful for uplifting the mood because it's so when you smell rosemary, it's got a like a really aromatic, you know, if you touch rosemary and smell your fingers, you, you'll have those oils on your hands. Yeah. And that aromatic uh, scent, certain plants have that. And it means that they have a very dispersive and moving quality. So mm. let's say you have like a headache related to stress. When you take rosemary, which happens to have an affinity for the, the head area, it, it works for brain and memory function. As if you've ever heard rosemary, it's good for memory. Um, 
but so it, it the, the aromatic dispersing moving quality. So the flavor and taste of plants usually give you an indication of how they'll work. And so in this case, you, you can, you can, if you have like a little headache related to stress, rosemary can set the aromatic quality just moves it out. And it's, it's super cool that it can work like that. And I like it in the morning, even uh, instead of coffee, sometimes there's, there's really elevating herbs like rosemary, sage in the morning can be really nice. Mm. Little go to cola. (laughs) What are some other herbs you use in their qualities? Can you walk us through a couple of your favorites or ones that you think would be the most beneficial for people to kind of explore? Yes. So it's funny. A lot of people like, what are your favorite herbs? And I'm just like, (laughs) it depends on what I'm looking for. I know it's like, they're all my favorite. Or what are the best herbs? And like, it's actually, so the the herbs, I guess, which ones are are you using the most to to nourish people? That really, that people really like most people could really use are a class of herbs known as adaptogens. And it's a buzzword right now in the wellness industry. Like you can yeah. go to Sephora. I just and ordered find, an adaptogen tea. <laughs> yeah. Like you can find like adaptogen face cream. And it's like, it's so funny, but at the same time, it's pretty cool to use them topically too. I can't say it isn't, but um, adaptogens are a, a term that that's misused. It's it, like people say turmeric is an adaptogen or hibiscus. And it's like, no, they're not. <laughs> they're really, really healthy, wonderful herbs or like beautiful herbs, but they're not necessarily adaptogens. So adaptogens are herbs that are really unique because they have several things about them. First thing is that they modulate or balance the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal access. So that access is from the brain to the adrenals and it's responsible for stress hormones like cortisol. We all know, you know, cortisol, which gets a bad rap because when it's too high, we get like a fat belly. <laughs> when it's too low, we can't get out of bed. Um, but so I think we so wanna... many people are stuck in a constant state of cortisol, which is not natural, right? So because of our modern living, we are constantly living in overdrive. Like if we look at like a deer, for instance, like another mm-hmm. animal, you think of like a deer, maybe you think of it like hopping through the woods, but it like with this little tail up or something, but it only does that like 1% of the day. Most of the day, the deer is just foraging and in the grass and still. And like, we are like as humans in this world, even in the pandemic, I really feel that way. We are like the deer, like hopping like 23 hours a day. We're always yeah. in this, this state, you know? And so adaptogens, they do not necessarily take us out of that state. They don't have a direct action. They have a non-specific action that balances and helps our overall adaptive capacity. So the adaptogens create resilience to environmental stressors and our emotional and adaptive capacity. And so it's really an incredible thing. It's like flexing a muscle. It has long-term benefits. Unlike, you know, CBD, which I love, and I think it's a wonderful medicine. CBD is not necessarily toning or building the system, like lifting a weight the way an adaptogen is. So an adaptogen will actually like build the, the, it's tropho restorative. So they help the organ systems repair themselves to their optimal function. And that is really, really special for what an adaptogen does. And so most adaption, the other thing about adaptions that's super cool is they're safe and non-toxic for daily use. So okay. you can take them safely every day. 
granted there are always exceptions and there's always ones that aren't going to work for each single person. So it's really important to kind of like experiment and see how you feel and find the right resource of where to get them and work with an herbalist like you work with an herbalist and and yeah and and if you you know and work with an herbalist and also do you know ask an herbalist whatever it is uh, yeah find out where more information but experimenting is is cool too but the only thing I suggest is like if you end up buying a trendy brand of ashwagandha for instance and you have a really poor reaction don't dismiss the plant just yet. See if you can get the plant in an organic form and its whole form and try it in a, sl- a smaller dose. And because sometimes it's actually the standardized extract that people have reactions to mm-hmm. rather than the whole plant. Cause there might be like a filler in it that they're allergic to not the actual plant. Well, when it comes to supplements, there is a more scientific approach. And what science means is that it must be repeatable or it's, it's not, you can't use it. Mm, okay. do, do you know what I mean? Science means that something has to be repeatable, measured and repeated. Yeah. And when it comes to herbs, there's, they're, they're not able to so always maintain the same consistency. Well, right. Cause from, it's from a plant and maybe plant. one plant is stronger than the other, which is where I think fingerprints come in because I think that that's exactly right. That's what he was explaining to me was because they have to sell it, you know, they have to make enough of it to sell it. So it's kind of like a synthetic version of the herb. So that's really interesting. I'm going to look more into this. I want, well, I hope that we have like 20 sessions because you're so. So, okay. Adaptogens are really good. Um, what, what are some adaptogens? Okay. So all the medicinal mushrooms are adaptogens, which is super, super cool. So like reishi mushroom, turkey tail mushroom, lion's mane mushroom. Uh, what are some, what is other, my favorite? Um, cordyceps mushroom. And I then as that. for the, I love the mushrooms. And as for the herbs, you have ashwagandha, you have Eleuthero or Siberian ginseng. You have, uh, Oh gosh, now I'm going, of course, because I'm listening to them, I'm going in blank. <laughs> uh, I like, there's a hormonal adaption that I like specifically for women and also for men, which because it can, but it, it generally can increase libido, but it's also used for stamina and longevity. And mm. it's really, really delicious too. And this is a Peruvian adaptogen named maca, which you've probably heard of because it's a, it's a food. Uh, it's a, it, it was a, you know, food crop back in the Andean mountains, uh, the traditional Quechua people would use it. Um, How do you spell maca? M-A-C-A. Do, do they put maca in makeup? Probably. It's got an interesting consistency. Interesting. Uh, makeup and skincare are starting to really go into the plant world. It's really fascinating. Um, but we, yeah. Yeah. But we, maca that's another, is- That's like, another top. Another top. Yeah. But you want to make sure that it's sourced sustainably. And a lot of it is. And, oh, yeah. I've been testing out plant makeup and beauty products forever. And what's so funny is I have very sensitive skin. And I always have allergic reactions to the to the plant-based ones because, mm. because they're just so strong. Um, over the years, they've gotten better. But um, 
that's another another top for another conversation. Yeah. But, um, can you tell us about some like of the like the things that we would know the names of like sage and um, time and yes, like the ones that were kind of like we've got them sitting on like you know they're sitting yes. on our. So, our- in our kitchen cabinet, we have a lot of really great medicinal herbs. We have sage, like you just mentioned, is one of my favorites. Salvia officinalis, which is not the white sage that we have learned as a burnable from traditional Native American practices for purifying our, our space or our auric field. But we have the garden sage. And this is actually one of the best memory beverages. And it really, the reason why we cook with it is because sage helps our ability to digest fats. So it's really nice to use sage if you're if you if you do eat meat um, with lamb or with with a with a red meat or if you don't eat meat having sage with like any kind of salad that has that you're eating a fat you can you can always add some herbs a lot of people don't realize they can add herbs to their salad and it enhances flavor and therapeutic properties oh wow I love that so I I usually add some like savory some sage some rosemary. any of the aromatic herbs are going to have, like thyme, are going to have really good um, ability to fight cold and flu. So during this time when we're all really don't want to get, you know, sick uh, based on viruses that could be circulating, um, <laughs> no names, um, <laughs> the thyme, sage, and rosemary are three of the best herbs you could possibly drink, you know, daily or add to your diet that are just an added benefit. And time is really good if you have a cough, actually. And, and how would you suggest people use it? Like just take it from your kitchen cabinet or should they get an herb or, and should it always be organic? And how do they, how would people take it? It's literally as easy as going to your grocery store. You can buy these herbs dried. And I use two teaspoons, a serving of dried uh, rosemary, sage, or thyme. And uh, if you are feeling like you want to connect with the plants more, you can always go to your like a local plant shop and buy some sage or some thyme or some mint. Excuse me, peppermint is one of like the oldest English remedies, you know, for digestive upset. It really does work. But again, the dosage does matter. So if you're just taking a couple little pieces of leaves, steeping it for two minutes, it might not have the full benefits as taking like an ounce of herb to four cups of water and steeping for 20 minutes. Okay, cool. You, when I was in middle school and high school, my mom, so, so when I was two, all my hair fell out and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and, and my, and the doctors were like, oh, she's, she's just, um, stressed. And my mom's like, she's, or I was sorry, I was three. I think they're like, she's stressed. And my mom's like, no, she, you know, there's something different going on. My aunt had been working with Aveda for a while in, um, in California. And she said to my mom, you need to take her to a holistic doctor. So my mom took me to the holistic doctor, which was the beginning of me being treated holistically after I'll tell you very quickly what, what they decided to do. But he said that, um, he, he basically got my mom to start treating me holistically because people that are super, super sensitive, um, they have reactions very often (laughs) to things that we're consuming and, and different and different things. Um, I am not, I'm not against immunizations, but the herbalist did tell my mom that 1% of kids get it from the school immunizations that we had to have. And it made sense because every time I would get a shot, 
every time I would get a shot, I would like swell up like a balloon scarily. So they started giving me half doses um, uh, twice instead of, you know, one big shot. Six months after the last dose, all my hair fell out. I was born a redhead. And so so basically he said, you can go back in, they can put her on steroid treatments. It'll give the hair follicles a chance to basically like regenerate and the hair can make, you know, she has a 50, 50 shot of not being bald, but she won't grow for six months. Um, and so that's what they did. And my hair grew back a totally different color. I was nuts. Like the whole thing was very, um, shocking. But so after that, my mom was like totally holistic, um, with me at least. And, um, one of the things that she that she told me to do because she would research all this stuff. It was very funny. She's like not a not a, even a little bit of a hippie. She had like spiky black hair and a yellow Corvette and wore leather all the time. So it was very funny <laughs> that she like had this herbal like holistic way. But so every time I would study she would line up like six um, essential oils. And for each hour that I would study, I would change scents. So for like science, I would use rosemary. For math, um, I would use lavender. Wow. And so what would happen is before I would go into a test, I would have different baggies with each smell on it. And I would smell the essential oil before I went into a test and it would bring all the um, information back. And I, I like, didn't even really, I mean, I would study an hour and I would ace these exams. So I learned how to study with using, um, herbs and essential oils. Um, Beautiful. yeah. And so I wanted to just tell everyone this because a lot of times we're doing like multiple things, um, in our lives and we really need to focus. And I found that over the years, when I apply a scent to my projects, um, it actually allows me to focus a lot more. So I'll, I'll use this. I still use essential oils. You know, when I'm reading for work, I do, I use one scent when I'm working on a side hustle or a project, I use a different scent and it actually really helps me. Have you ever heard of that? Well, I definitely, yeah, for essential oil therapy, it's it's not as common as like, a, a, but this is what essential oil therapy really is. And it's a huge benefit. I mean, in my personal use of essential oils, I've used them to sleep. So when I was having mm -hmm. trouble sleeping before bed, I would just smell nutmeg. And it's not like, you know, it's not like the whatever is necessarily for sleep. It is in, in some, in Ayurvedic culture, it is, but it's different anyway, in the whole, the whole nut. But so I would use the nutmeg and then pretty soon I would just smell the nutmeg and go to sleep. Wow. So I love that. We, in the beginning, it wasn't that the nutmeg made me tired. So you're, you're smelling these oils. Oh, this doesn't make me sleepy, but it's like when you do it ritualistically and you're smelling it before bed, then suddenly when you smell it around bedtime, it, it sets your brain up that you're going to go to sleep. Right. So you get used to it and it like kind of triggers that thing in your brain. Same way that you were studying in the exact same way. I just love it. I think it's, it's such a beautiful thing that we have on this planet as humans, you know, that we can uh -huh. come up with these cool things. I wish more people knew about it. Can we talk a little bit about like your path and your career choice and, and um, like how somebody who's interested in this, you know, would go about it and, um, how you feel about the actual work, because I think a lot of people listening, there might be listeners who are like, oh, that sounds like my dream job. Hmm. So it's, it's definitely a path that you kind of have to carve your own way. There's many different 
uh, journeys for this kind of education. And some people choose the journey where they want to work with others, which is what I, I did. Um, some people just take this knowledge. They, they study with mentors and that are herbalists have been practicing for years and they use this, this knowledge to build a business or they use this knowledge to support their friends and family primarily. Um, I wanted to open a practice in, in New York the city where I live. So there wasn't, there were not really any herbal practices outside of like a Chinese medicine doctor. So I was really kind of paving my own way. And around the time of my studies, I, I apprenticed simultaneously at a, at a medicinal herb shop, which I'm actually working today for the first time in months. I'm super excited. Um, but there we, we, people come in not feeling well and we help provide them with the right herbal remedy. So that's one, one way is working in an herb shop and it's set up almost like an apothecary environment. Oh, wow. What's that called? The, in New York city, the name of the herb shop is flower power herbs mm. and roots. Cool. So it's been around for 25 years and it's where we call it the people's medicine. And so people come in and it's, they, they, they can, they don't have to take, you know, pills all the time if they want, if they, if they ha need to, they need to, but if, if they don't need to, there's, we have other and complementary options there. And we have about like 350 bulk herbs, A oh, to wow. Z that you can pick. And so that's, that's one way. And then the other place that opened up while I was in school was a, it was a wellness haven called the Alchemist Kitchen. Mm. And a lot of people might know it because they're, they're close to a hundred thousand followers on Instagram now, wow. but they, they opened up and we're like this little wellness haven here. People walked in, they're like, are we in LA? You know, we had these elixirs, state changing mood elixirs. And we had a whole like curated apothecary of beautiful whole plant remedies. And I helped create the herbal program there. And that's where I had my practice where I took my clients and taught workshops for about three years. And so since then, I've moved everything virtually mm. um, since February. But before that, I was taking one-on-one -on -one clients and doing group sessions and, and workshops around New York. So that's really what my career path looked like. And so for now, I, I mean, I'm just word of mouth. So people reach out to me based on other clients and things like that. Well, I know you're going to be having a bunch of women reach out to you after this podcast, but I just want to also let everyone know that your um, apprenticeship with um, Flower Power was an a thousand hour apprenticeship, yes. which is amazing and something you should be so proud of. And, um, and I think would make so many people comfortable coming to you. I mean, a thousand hours is incredible. And I mean, all the hours you put in since then, you're definitely an expert in this. And I think that um, I've worked with you and I think that you're an, you're an amazing um, person to work with on this. And I think, have you ever been to um, the assemblage in New York? Yes. Yeah, so I used to teach there. Okay. So as the assemblage is so cool. I, <laughs> this is where I met Anahita, who's also on the podcast. Mm -hmm. She was speaking with Deepak. Um, mm -hmm. my girlfriend, uh, 
Izzy invited me and it, it was so cool. So this, it's this place downtown. It's got a very like hyper intellectual, but very spiritual vibe. It's a, it's a member's club. Um, but they have like a tincture bar, you know, they don't serve alcohol, but they have all these amazing drinks. I mean, maybe they serve alcohol now it's been a few years since I was there, but it was such a cool place. And I was like, I love these um, places that you're bringing up because I know living in New York city, I was there for five years full-time and on and off for 15, you know, sometimes you forget that like there's this spiritual like undercurrent of the city. And I just love all of these places. So if you're interested and you live in New York, I would definitely recommend trying out, you know, flower power and the alchemist kitchen and the assemblage mm-hmm. and all of these things. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other places that you would recommend people who are kind of on this holistic health um, vibe to check out? Yeah. In Brooklyn, uh, there's other places. There's Radical Herb Shop. Uh, there's Sacred Vibes Apothecary, which has a beautiful uh, teacher of mine, former teacher of mine. Her name is Karen Rose, and she's an African herbalist practicing in Brooklyn. And we have, uh, what, else, what other herb shops? We had Antidote, which closed down. It's now a mobile herb shop because the it's hard to stay open in these times, but, know. Um, oh, but yeah, it break, breaks my heart. I know you also do astrology, right? I am an astrologer as well. Yes. An evolutionary astrology, evolutionary astrology. Yes. Say yes. that five times fast. <laughs> what is that? So in evolutionary astrology, we look at the birth chart as a blueprint. Uh, like almost like a fingerprint of the moment when you're born. And we see that not just where your sun sign is, let's say your sun sign is a Taurus, like, and that's where, what's my horoscope. It's so much more in depth than that. That's barely even the tip of the iceberg, but we really take a lot of precedence in the lunar nodes. So a lot of um, ancient astrologers took a lot of uh, like care in these two mathematical points on the chart, which is the northernmost tip of the moon and the southernmost tip of the moon. And it's believed that the northernmost tip of the moon, which is the north node, is the, you know, the, the, where your soul is, is wants to head in this lifetime, where, where oh. the areas that are often most challenging to march towards, but are most fulfilling and really your soul's purpose. And so wow. what I do is when I look at the birth chart, I look at the north node and the south node, I really try to talk to people and see where they can help unlock their blessings like what areas of their life they're, they're, they feel blocked and how to unblock them based on their, their chart. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sometimes I will merge it with, herb, with herbalism, but um, that's I something love that, that even is more. experimental and it has to, it's, it's really up to the client. So it's very experimental. I'm not an expert. I'm kind of just navigating it in time. Well, you can practice on me. I love that. <laughs> I think that they definitely go together, you know? Oh yeah. Now now that I've used plants for so many, so much of my life and it's interesting, you know, I look up on, um, the things that are going on in women's health and it's fascinating that the native Americans have just treated so many things with herbs Mm -hmm. for so many years. And we're just like synthesizing over here in pharmaceuticals. And I, I know that there's a lot of plants in pharmaceuticals for sure. At least the, the composition of the structure of them. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. but I, I'd like to talk maybe a little bit about, um, European and native American herbal traditions and like 
things that they've used to, to treat different things that you know of that you think might, the listeners might benefit from to put alongside whatever treatments that they're kind of using. I don't know if you have any, um, things around that, but it's so fascinating because both of native American and European history goes back so far. Um, yeah, it's what's, well, what's actually really fascinating is that Chinese and native American are mm-hmm. so similar because they're both ancient systems, European as well, like you said, but so we share a lot of common flora in the Eastern United States as we do with Eastern China and because oh, okay. of the transcendental, the transcendental faults. So, you know, one time we were Pangea, we, our whole world was one. And so we actually in Eastern United States and Eastern China, we, the same, uh, very similar herbs were used similarly as medicine. And these were cultures that weren't necessarily interacting. So if that's not, I know, if that's not like a validation of the efficacy of plants and and impacting our health, I don't know what is. Right. I mean, that really says it all, right? I know. So um, (laughs) specifically, I know for women's health, uh, there were a lot of, you know, Native American remedies that were used. um, I'm trying to think of like specific plants, but likely like a, a form of calendula um, or a burdock root was, was likely, you know, both burdock is, is uh, an invasive plant that really it's like a weed, but it's, it's a wonderful medicine. And the taproot is delicious food. Um, in Japanese, it's called gobo, but it, it's used throughout Asia and um, here in, in North America. And it's, it's wonderful for the liver and, and also for, for various women's health. A lot of times, women, women's, uh, health concerns can be, or I should say those with wombs, though their concerns can be, um, related to, uh, inability to process, to, to balance hormones, which can start with liver, uh, liver issues, you know, estrogen dominance, not being able to, uh, not taking a fiber in or, or taking herbs that help that process run more smoothly. Um, also calendula, which is named, or some people say calendula, but it's a, a marigold flower. And the marigold flower is named calendula because it blooms all year round around the calendar. This wow. is another wonderful antiviral herb. So any kind of viral issues are, are, are really helpful with calendula. Wow. It's just like endless. You're like an endless pool of information. (laughs) You've just got so much depth to this. And I think it's so cool because I feel like it's something you can always be learning too. Like you're always going to keep, keep learning. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with, um, uh, helping nourish women who may be having issues with, um, fertility or like something like HPV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I could see how having HPV would make a woman, uh, worry, like, uh, concerned about the success of pregnancy. So fertility in general. So like in that relationship, so HPV is something that the doctor's usually just say we'll watch and we don't really have a treatment for and then if it progresses there is there are sometimes very invasive treatments that are um 
are offered. And when it comes to herbs, there, there's always, you know, you always want to listen to talk to the doctor, but also do your, your own research and education. And if you talk to an herbalist, we have herbs that we, we like to apply internally onto the sticks to, um, to combat the viral, uh, activity inside. And so HPV is commonly like tried to be, you know, worked with in, in herbalism with actually calendula. So making a paste of this flower and painting it on the cervix is, is, is one remedy. And so giving yourself three to eight months to see improvements with these different kinds of methods and taking antiviral herbs, a lot of the adaptogens that I was talking about, like even rhodiola and uh, astragalus is, is a fantastic one. In addition to ashwagandha, they are actually often antiviral. So astragalus mm. is, is a wonderful remedy to help uh, reduce or move out this, the virus out of the system. Some say you can never remove the virus out of the system and some say you can. So it's worth a try. Mm. And I can't really make a comment on that. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, obviously if it, I know so many women go through HPV issues, everyone's like, everyone's got it, you know, but it's yeah. like, it's yeah. scary. And I think that it's a good thing to understand that while the doctors use invasive methods, you can be doing other things that actually calm your nerves around it a lot. Um, and is there anything like for fertility that would just make you yes. like preparing for pregnancy? Like yes. let's say you ha don't even have a boyfriend, but you're like, I want to have my body in top shape yes. in case I meet somebody. So there's several ways of preparing for fertility. One of the ways is diet. And I know it's like, I just want the herbs, but like the diet is seriously the most important and traditional, um, traditional cultures had sacred foods of fertility. Mm. And like the, the Price Foundation or Dr. Weston A. Price, who studied uh, traditional cultures, diet in traditional cultures, he's a, I kind of am a huge proponent of the Price Foundation in terms of my nutrition. I, I modify it and also modernize it a bit, but that's where I, I look for a lot of my, a lot of my nutrition knowledge comes from there. Okay. And so sacred foods of, the fer of fertility would be like grass-fed organic butter, uh, eggs. I know it's like a oh, cod liver oil, any kind of like liver because it's so nutrient dense. And so nourishment is really the game. And obviously it's like dosage and moderation. You don't want to eat everything and gain weight. It's not really the <laughs> point, but you also right. don't want to be too skinny. Fat is a sign of, of fertility. Totally. So, you know, and, and so it's, it's a, it's a balance. And then uh, there's, there's cer certain sacred foods. And then in addition to that, there are herbs like maca, which is funny because I mentioned it before. It's a joke that if you just inhale maca, you, you could get pregnant. Um, <laughs> it's like, you just you don't want to be, if you're not trying to get pregnant, stay away from maca. It's kind of like a joke. That's funny. Um, I've had actually, I actually know of unwanted maca pregnancies, like literally had after maca several times. Like, wow. it's like, it's like a joke that actually has truth to it. So <laughs> It's, uh, so that's a really nice one. There are these hormonal adaptogens and, and also like managing your stress levels. Like, I think actually one of the best ways to know how stressed you are is like, if you live wherever you live, like fly to a tropical Island and see how many days it takes you to actually relax. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good point. It's, it's like, always the last day you're there that you're like, Oh, I really like this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it takes so long to adjust. You're like, wow, my body can't even like enjoy this beach for like three days like what's going on there so that's when you know you got to work towards managing your stress your tension and 
and sometimes, you know, the, the meditation, the exercise, all that is not enough. And we do need herbs. And in those cases, the adaptogens and the nervines or nervous system tonic herbs are, are really helpful. And also I have a, a few girlfriends who had a lot of success or actually got pregnant after having ablations where they like scrape your uterus just because, you know, you were older. If you're older trying to have kids, sometimes, you know, your uterus has been around for a while and I, that seems to have worked. If you want to go a traditional, like not a non-traditional, you know, Western, you want to combine some Eastern and Western medicine. Um, but I know that I would much prefer to take some herbs and have someone scrape my uterus. Um, if I'd try that first, probably, but I think it just to comment about a few of the things that you said when I lived in New York and I would go anywhere, it would take me like a whole week. And that's how I knew I needed to kind of exit New York for a little bit because I was so stressed all the time. But you hear this all the time that women are like, we tried for three years. It was so stressful. I couldn't get pregnant, gave up, got pregnant. You know, it's like, yeah, because the stress is like making it impossible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as I get and it's so hard, right? Because you're like, especially if you're older and you're like, this is my shot, you know, and, and it's not working. It's even, it's like double stress. Yeah. So I have quite a few friends that have been through it and it's, you know, it's, it's hard. You spend your whole life trying to not get pregnant. And then you realize how hard it actually is to get pregnant when you actually want kids. I don't know. I don't have kids. So, but I've watched my friends kind of go through a lot of this stuff. So any help I can give on the podcast, definitely with, with herbology and um, sacred foods. I really believe in like the power of what we eat. But I think another thing that is good that you mentioned is like this whole don't be too skinny, which thank God the body image has changed uh, significantly since, you know, mm -hmm. I was modeling. But um, I think there's like this obsession with having no fat on your stomach and no fat on your legs, you know, and it's like, that's like, you need that if you're going to be having a kid, you know, so it's helpful. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. And I think it's more, there's more to hold on to. So the guys appreciate it. So don't be so hard on yourselves, girls. Okay, last couple questions here. What would be, what are your biggest challenges with this role? So my biggest challenges are that sometimes people say like they, they don't adjust, like, okay, I will adjust a protocol to the needs and desires and wants of a person. So when they tell me, they're like, just lay out all the stops, give me everything. And <laughs> I do. And I give them a very complex protocol because they've asked for it and then they don't do it. Mm. So I, I think sometimes it's like really being able to gauge where meeting the client where they're at. So that, but I very, sometimes I'll get a call a year later and be like, I just got to the protocol. It's changed my life. You know, oh. it's like wild. And so I, I get those kinds of calls or like, I've been on this for a year. I wanted to let you know, like, I'm not checking in because it's still working. So <laughs> sometimes it is, it works to give a very complex protocol and sometimes it overwhelms people. And I think like the best thing is to start with what the client feels like they're capable of maintaining weekly mm. and, and making sure that they feel really good. Like that perfection is don't let perfection really get in the way of progress. Like every little bit, even if you remember to take something twice a week is better than zero, you know? Yep. I mean, I got very ritualistic with the herbs that you told me to take. And, and then I, when I wasn't doing it, I felt like something was missing. Um, mm. and I did it for probably three or four months. And now I'm like, now I need to work with you again and get like a new set of herbs because I, well, mm -hmm, maybe I mm -hmm. should keep doing the ones that you gave me, but um, 
but yeah, I, I really fell in love with not just the ritual of it, but you know, they don't taste that great when you mix them all together. But, um, I just like, I really liked the ritual of it. And I, I definitely missed it. The days I wasn't doing it. I was like, huh, that's funny. I like, I feel a little different. Yeah. Wild. So sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. Keep going. (laughs) What do you think your large, your biggest, besides that, what do you think is your biggest lesson with herbs that you've learned? I really see, uh, people reconnecting with themselves when they are part of their healing process and it's pretty consistent. And to me, that's like, it's a validation more than a lesson, but I really, really enjoy like seeing people feel empowered. Um, I guess, again, that's not, but my, the lesson that I really, that, that comes, I guess, yeah, it's just seeing how, how people appreciate not having only one way to do things. It's only this way. You can only take steroids. That's the only treatment for this method. Steroids are nothing, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, there's so many options in the plant world. And it's just a little bit about knowledge about dosage and, uh, and how many times a day to take it. So that's, that's the missing link is the knowledge. And do you have, uh, any book recommendations for people who might want to get a little bit deeper into this or also any books that you've read that have kind of like changed your life or podcasts or movies or anything that's kind of like people can consume as additional resources to this conversation? Yes. Where do I begin? Well, first I (laughs) throw them all out there. I'll write them down. Well, first, don't forget about me because in uh, February, January, February, my book will be coming out, Ooh. which is really exciting. Um, What's it going to be called? Up. Yeah. I can't say the name okay. yet. But well, I will about... update. <laughs> I'm going to update this with the name once it comes out. Perfect. Perfect. I love that. It's going to be uh, actually about kitchen cabinet herbs and how to work with them for medicine. Oh, I love so that. really in line with what you actually want to talk about. So that's cool. And, um, but in the meantime, I really, really love, um, Matthew Wood. He's an herbalist. He writes, uh, the practice of traditional Western herbalism. And I also really, I always recommend Susan Weed, which is healing wise, which is a wise woman tradition. And, um, and what else? And, and, uh, Robin Rose Bennett, the, the gift of herbal healing and, um, hmm. <laughs> mm, and, that was good. The, the web that has no weaver. That's a really, really good one. The web that has no weaver, weaver. And it, it gives you like a perspective on traditional Chinese medicine that works in our current situation, our current situation of Western and Eastern blending. Okay. <laughs> and if people want to work with you, how do they find you? Should they go to your website? Is it, do they, do, do you respond well on social? What's the best yes. way? A lot of people reach out on Instagram or they email me from Instagram or on my website. So both are great. And my email is, is, you know, linked to both of them. So, so it's Ariel, the herbalist is her Instagram. And then Ariel, the herbalist.com. Very easy mm-hmm. to find. I love that they're ladies pay attention, branding. Good to have your Instagram name. Also be your website name. Mine is also <laughs> the same. Um, is there, is there anything that I, I didn't ask, but I should have? No, we're great. 
We could always do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope we do many more sessions. Thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing having you on here. And I, I hope that people will reach out to you and, and will pursue plants as a, a part of their healing process and mm. a part of their nourishment. And, um, and just thank you for being part of creating businesses that have awareness as part of it and health as part of it, because I think that together we can all make authentic and effective change to help this planet, which definitely needs people in that, that position right now. Yes. Um, I want to add one thing, Uh, Robin, Robin Kimmerer, she's an, uh, a poet and also an ethnobotanist. And she says, the next step in our cultural evolution, if we are to persist as a species on this beautiful planet, is to expand our protocols for gratitude to the living earth. Mm. Nothing in this podcast is a recommendation. Hey, all you sea stars, goddesses, naiads, and Neptunes, aka the paradisiacs who care about the important stuff. I hope you all found some inspiration today, and I hope to have your beautiful souls back for our next episode. This podcast supports a beautiful group of humans who gather on full moons, and to find a link for Howl and Heal and for our website with these episodes, details, and blog, head to themelroshow.com. You can also connect with me on IG at Melrose Wild or at the Melrose Podcast. Again, this is Melrose. I hope after you listen to this conversation, you feel some magic brewing in your own destiny. Thank you for listening and please subscribe or follow us to get updates on new episodes. And if you love this podcast, the best compliment is to rate us with five stars and maybe leave a little love note about how this podcast might be helping you. Have a wonderful day and may the forces of wholeness and growth be with you all.